Hello, everyone. This is Jeffrey Care. I'm here today with a playwright who has two events coming up at Owens Auditorium inside the Bradshaw Performing Arts Center, both of which will be presented by Judson Theatre Company in Pinehurst, North Carolina. On November 14th, he'll be sharing some behind-the-scenes stories from his days of working as a writer on the first season of The Golden Girls in an event titled An Evening on the Lenai. Meanwhile, a new holiday comedy he co-wrote with Christian McLaughlin titled Yes, Virgin. Virginia, starring Mindy Sterling and Darnisha Walker, will be running from November 18th through 21st. He directs and produces theater in L.A., including such productions as the Latinx The Diary of Anne Frank, Heartbreak Help, Pledge, Warm Cheese, Entertaining Mr. Salone, Blink and You Might Miss Me, Gemini, and the virtual three-play reading benefits for Playbill.com, A Wendy Weekend. In television, he has been nominated for two WGA awards for his work on The Golden Girls and Roseanne. He's also written and produced on Gilmore Girls, co-created the Lifetime sitcom Rita Rocks, and the Emmy-nominated web series Sex and Exes. He was the host and showrunner on Sean Hayes' Bravo reality show Situation Comedy. In film, he wrote both Brady Bunch movies, most recently, he starred in a virtual production of his Suicide Notes play, Right Before I Go, with Vanessa Williams, Blair Underwood, Wilson Cruz, and Hari Neff for the Quick Center in Connecticut. Please welcome Stan Zimmerman. It's exhausting, isn't it? <laughs> yes, it is. No, <laughs> no offense. <laughs> no offense. I actually didn't know what an alumni was either. When I got into Golden Girls, I'm like, what is that? In Michigan, we didn't have any lanai's. We had basements. And then I learned that it's this enclosed porched area that kind of everybody has in Florida. Ah. Because you want to be outside, but you also don't want the bugs. Mm -hmm. Or the alligators coming in and eating your dinner. So <laughs> it comes in handy. So to start things off, how excited are you to be starting rehearsals here in North Carolina? I am so excited to come to North Carolina. I've been to Charlotte a bunch of times. To be doing this play there, I've only done the play in Los Angeles twice and a reading in Detroit, uh, my hometown, and the play is set in Detroit. But to come to a new part of the country and to bring these two marvelous actors there, I'm very thrilled to hear the laughter from all of you down there. How did the idea for the play Yes, Virginia come about? A number of years now, uh, my mother was living in Santa Barbara. She had moved out from Detroit so she could be near me. She started uh, experiencing uh, early dementia. So my sister and I were talking with her about, you know, she needs to find a place, not maybe assisted living or someplace where she was not living alone because she refused to buy um, a medical alert. So she was avoiding, you know, she loved her house and she loved her independence. She was a very strong woman. So one day she said, well, what if Virginia, who was our... African-American housekeeper growing up. Why can't she come live with me and we'll take care of each other? And I said, well, that's a brilliant idea, but Virginia's dead. And I'm driving back to Los Angeles to my home and I'm thinking, wait a minute, I think there's a play in this. And so I spoke with Christian, uh, my writing partner for theater. We created this two character play about kind of a role reversal of a housekeeper that's always taking care of this woman and her family. And then suddenly, the roles reverse and she has to take care of Virginia. And this play has been produced with both of your stars before. How has it been working with them? We've done it twice. We did once live uh, in person in 2018 in LA and it was fantastic just to, it was a very intimate small theater. So you actually felt like you were sitting in the living room uh, with these two women 
And then we did a virtual production because obviously COVID changed everything theater wise. And I was having none of that last year. I'm like, we've got to keep doing theater. And I had done many plays where, you know, everyone was in these little boxes like we are. And I'm like, I can't do that anymore. So what we did was with my co-producing partner, Stephanie Von Huben, we created virtual backgrounds. So even though our niche was in Bethesda, Maryland, and Mindy was in Santa Monica, California, it looked like they were literally in the same room together. And we had a lot of fun with that. And I started using film techniques. So I would do green screens where I would shoot them, you know, looking out at a green screen. And then I would put in, I had someone send me a recording of snow falling in Michigan. So that it looks like they were looking at snow and started just playing with that and using the form and being a little adventurous. As I mentioned earlier, before Yes, Virginia, there's another event you'll be participating in at Stratton Theatre Company titled An Evening on the Lanai. And there you'll be sharing some behind the scenes stories from your days of working as a writer on the first season of The Golden Girls. What can audiences expect from that? Lots of gossip, some cheesecake, orange juice, and um, some fun stories of, you know, what it was like to be there. I was a very young writer and one of my first jobs and to suddenly be thrown into that group of such highly respected actors, really the best of the best actors in season one of a show that nobody thought would ever be popular was suddenly extremely popular and uh, kind of took the nation by storm. And it still has. I've, I've ridden many of these Golden Girl waves. Right before COVID hit, I was on two back-to-back Golden Girl fan cruises called Golden Fans at Sea. Over a thousand Golden Girl fans, all ages, all types of people. Uh, it was just filled with love. And a lot of people, you know, wore caftans and, and gray wigs for costume night. Golden Girls is a phenomenon. And during COVID, it became a place where people could go and watch kind of their old friends and have some laughs and think of other thoughts than, you know, what we were all going through during that period. What was it like getting to rights for the cast of that show? A little overwhelming, to be honest, at first. I was so young and I didn't really think of myself as a really funny writer. It was Comedy 101. I learned how to craft jokes. And, you know, those actors deserve the best of the best lines. And we worked all night giving them that. And they were very appreciative. I know at first there's a stories about B. Arthur, you know, would come down to the set and be like, who are all these young kids writing for me? Shouldn't there be all older people? And she was very skeptical. And then she read the scripts and she's like, okay, you all got it. And very rarely do you see this, but writers don't get a lot of accolades. And if you look back at all the talk shows, every single one of them, those four ladies commented and really said, it's the writing, it's all the writing. And that was really, really sweet and thoughtful of them to acknowledge us. As the whole world is slowly coming out of this pandemic, what does it mean to you to have these projects presented to an in-person audience? Well, I actually just closed uh, my new play, Have a Good One, in L.A. And it was, I think, the first play presented live on a stage in 19 months. And there was just something about being in a room with real people and hearing that laughter and having that connection. And that's why coming to North Carolina for both of these events for these shared experiences. And that's the beauty of theater. It's not television when you're in your own room and at home and you could be eating or wearing whatever or whatever you don't want to wear and uh, getting up and going to the bathroom or getting more food. You're in a theater and you have this event happen together and it's a collective event and you're feeling the other people in the room. You know, when laughter in an audience, one person starts laughing, 
it just invites all everyone to laugh. And that's just a cool thing. And I miss that. And I cannot wait until November to be down there in that beautiful part of the country and have that experience. And going back to the beginning, how did you first get started in the theater? Actually in Detroit, where I am now, I'm going to be performing Thursday in right before I go, my Suicide Notes play, which I've been doing all over the country to raise awareness and money for suicide prevention and training. And I studied at Cranbrook Theater School. I luckily got in at the age of seven and a half and you were supposed to be eight years old, but they took me. I think they wanted just an extra boy on stage. And I just fell in love with the first moment I got a laugh on stage and it sent a jolt up my spine and I knew I had to write for comedy. And you have several other film and TV credits on your resume. Are there any in particular that happen to be among your favorite experiences in that department? I would have to say the Brady Bunch movies, both of them were just everything I love about writing. It was pop culture. It was able to comment on not only the you know that time period of the 70s, but also when we wrote the movies. And those characters were so fun. And as a kid, I grew up with the Brady Bunch. It was a lot of work to have to watch all the episodes again. But uh, it was really fun and silly, and yet also very smart. And one of the first adaptations of a TV show to film that worked and was successful. And I think that's because they let us reach young kids, but also touch people that had never seen the show. And all those diehard fans of Brady Bunch and really pushed the envelope as far as, as our humor. It was just really, 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 really fun. And I would love to, actually, we've been talking about somehow figuring out a way to do a, a new TV show, like a Netflix show called mm-hmm. The Brady Ladies, where we see the three Brady girls now um, separated, divorced, widowed. Of course, Jan never met anybody because, you know, nobody likes Jan. But I'm a middle child, so I, I understand that position. Although I've heard that, well, one of the Brady sisters, Eve Plum, well, I heard she doesn't necessarily like to talk about, you know, her days on the Brady Bunch for some reason or another. Yes, I think she used to be. I think she's opening up more about that. It was very funny. I was doing my Lifetime sitcom, Rita Rocks, and I saw on the guest star list she was coming into audition. And I was very excited because when I was in the fifth grade, I wrote a paper that I would marry Eve Plum and move to Hollywood. And my writing partner begged me not to mention that to her, so I did not. But she's come and seen a bunch of my plays, and she's actually a lovely person. Yeah, I wish she would have been in one of our movies. It must be very interesting to grow up as a little kid on the TV show, and then wherever you go, people call you Jan Brady instead of Eve Plum. And you also got to work on what I know was a beloved television show for a number of people of a certain generation, Gilmore Girls. And uh, what was it like getting to work on that? Well, actually, the minute I leave Detroit the very next day, I go fly into Connecticut, where we're doing the fifth year of a Gilmore Girls fan festival. Yeah, we're a little town, and we kind of take over the town. This town of Kent, Connecticut doesn't even have a stoplight. It's very much like Stars Hollow where the show, you know, took place, which was a make-believe town, actually filmed on the Warner Brothers backlot. But uh, mostly women and a lot of mothers and daughters come from all over the world, and we've created this little Gilmore Girls family, and it's lovely to see them, and just a really fun weekend to hang out with cast members from the show, crew members, and also fans from every walk of life. And that must feel good to you that, you know, you got to work on something that, you know, really impacted a lot of people. You're lucky as a writer to have made, you know, been on one hit show. And the fact that I got to be on Golden Girls, Roseanne and Gilmore Girls, I don't take that lightly. And I'm extremely grateful that my career went in that direction. And that's why I'm writing a book now. It's called The Girls from Golden to Gilmore. 
And it's about all the wonderful women I've worked with and Roseanne. And I will be telling stories about that experience. In fact, uh, what was it like getting to work for, you know, Amy Sherman Palladino on Gilmore Girls, who, of course, now has gotten probably the biggest success of her career with the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Yeah, so we met Amy on Roseanne. And I'll never forget that first day uh, we were all in the writer's room and there were about 21 writers. And she wasn't in the room for some reason. And we were working on a Darlene story, which is a Sarah Gilbert character. And we figured it all out. Amy comes in with her top hat and fishnet stockings, and she rips the whole story apart. Darlene would never do this, da 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 And I just went, oh, my God, who is this person? And after, you know, we took a coffee break, I went up to her and I was like, I have to know you. You're so brilliant. And we became fast friends. Because there were 21 writers, we'd break off into groups, and it was usually we were with Amy. And that's how we got to know her. Right before season five of Gilmore Girls started, she invited me and my writing partner, Jim Berg, to the Chateau Marmont. It's a really nice hotel bar in L.A. And she said, I want you to come for some time on Gilmore Girls. I want to be around friends and have you be there. And so we said, we'll give you a year of our life. I'm so grateful and glad I did do that. Yeah. Has she invited you to work on Mrs. Maisel? She has not. Why not? Come on, Amy. <laughs> uh, I did help her on Bunheads. Uh, that was a show she did with Sutton Foster. Right. Well, so I came to a lot of the casting sessions, and then I helped her on the pilot, and we worked on that. And that's normal. That when you're doing pilots, you call your writer friends, and you say, hey, you know, well, I'll feed you if you come for a couple of days and add a joke or two or listen to the reading. And, and because I loved casting and I studied dance at NYU, I wanted to be a part of that show. And for those who'd like to have a career in the theater, where do you think would be a good place to start? Acting school. Uh, definitely start acting. Just take classes. Uh, be in a play. It doesn't matter where it is. You can even do a Zoom play. Do a Zoom reading with friends. I started young, and one of the best lessons that I was taught, they said, go to a mall and just watch people as a writer or an actor. Observe people. And that's why when people say, how could you write for all these characters? It's because I watch and I listen. That is so key. So I recommend all actors and writers or anybody creative, really anybody in the world, just watch and listen to each other. You know, we're not all that far apart. We all just want love and want to be loved. And before we go, do you have any other upcoming projects that you'd like to share with us? Oh my God, you don't have all day. You'd be reading that whole list. But <laughs> we, we can sit out on the lanai and go over it. I'm a very active as far as I always have ideas and what my next project will be, whether I'm just directing it or writing and directing it or producing it. I would love to see Yes, Virginia get to New York somehow. And so maybe our next stop after North Carolina will be Off-Broadway. How about that? Hey, well, yeah, Off-Broadway sounds like a perfect place for this kind of play. Fingers crossed, and I'll see you in North Carolina. <laughs> yeah. And Stan, I thank you very much for devoting your time to this interview. It was great getting to talk to you. Thank you for inviting me. And for those who'd like to keep up with your career, where can people find you on the internet? All over the place. Uh, Zimmerman Stan, uh, Instagram and Facebook. And I post a lot and you can follow my crazy story, which is just getting crazier. It seems. <laughs> Thanks again for joining me today, Stan. This was great. Thank you. As a reminder, An Evening on the Lanai will be presented at Owens Auditorium inside the Bradshaw Performing Arts Center on November 14th. Meanwhile, Judson Theatre Company's production of Yes, Virginia will run from November 18th through 21st. You can find more information regarding both events through links in the episode notes. If you love this show, please leave us a review. 
go to ratethispodcast.com slash podcast and follow the simple instructions. Feel free to subscribe to wherever you get this podcast. If you'd like to find more content from me, please visit my website, which is www.carereviews.net. You can also find it on Twitter at carereviews and me at Jeffrey Care. Thanks for listening, and I will see you all later.